more. This is Equip and Empower, the Christine Kane podcast. For everyone who desires to bring hope, create change, and live out their God-given destiny with passion and joy. Here's your host, Christine Kane. Hey guys, it's Chris here. I am so grateful to welcome you back to our Hello Summer series here on the Equip and Empower podcast. Now, before I tell you about today's episode, I want to encourage you to go to christinecane.com forward slash podcast to download a copy of the Hello Summer Reflection Guide that we've put together especially for you if you haven't done so already. It includes a few prompts and questions for each episode in the series to help you go deeper and to use this time to grow. Now, if you're in a season of waiting for a breakthrough, today's episode is for you. I'm here to remind you that our God is a miracle-working God who still does miracles today. He is still in the business of healing. He is still in the business of restoring. And He is still in the business of making a way where there seems to be no way. I know this is going to encourage you, so let's dive in and get started. today. I am so grateful. I know that God has a powerful word for you today. I want to inspire us in faith to keep going after the promises of God. So many times we go once or twice, we get a word from the Lord. We think I'm going to step out in faith and do something for God. And we go and forget to go again. Often the promise is in the again, the promise is in the next time that we do it. So I want to inspire us to do that. I'm going to go to the book of 1 Kings chapter 18, and I'm very, very fired up about this. Verses 41 to 46, and then we're going to jump backwards. The Bible says, and Elijah said to Ahab, go up, eat and drink, for there is the sound of the rushing of rain. So Ahab went up to eat and drink. And Elijah went up to the top of Mount Carmel and he bowed himself down on the earth and put his face between his knees. That's interesting. I may do that later in the series just so that we could get a visual (laughs) of what that might look like. And he said to his servant, go up now and look toward the sea. And he went up and looked and said, there is nothing. And he said, go again. Go again seven times. And at the seventh time, he said, Behold, a little cloud like a man's hand is rising from the sea. And he said, Go up, say to Ahab, Prepare your chariot and go down, lest the rain stop. And in a little while, the heavens grew black with clouds and wind, and there was a great rain. And Ahab rode and went to Jezreel. And the hand of the Lord was on Elijah, and he gathered up his garment and ran before Ahab, to the entrance of Jezreel. Man, this is a power-packed scripture. I love this because 1 Kings chapter 17 and verse 18, I mean, they are better than any action movie out in the cinema right now. They are just full of intrigue and story all the way through. In 1 Kings 17, 1, The Bible says, now Elijah the Tishbite of Tishbe in Gilead said to Ahab, as the Lord, the God of Israel lives before whom I stand, there shall be neither dew nor rain these three years except by my word. So right here, Ahab declares a drought in the land. So his word declares a drought and we end 1 Kings 18 with Elijah declaring rain. 
So we're starting with a drought and we're getting to rain and they both have come out of his mouth. But I love these two chapters. You can't separate them really because we're going to unpack them all. If you strap yourself in, I'll talk really fast. I'm both Greek and a woman. So I only speak three ways, hard, fast and continuously. So you will not fall asleep. Have your Coke, sit back in your chair because you strap yourself in for the ride. But basically Elijah told the prophet, Ahab, the king of Israel, that no rain was going to fall on the land because of the idolatry that the people that were practicing. So it was God's judgment on the land. Then in 1 Kings 17, 9, you might remember that the Lord had sent Elijah and the ravens provided food for him because God will get food to you any way you need it. God will get things to you using birds if he needs to. But then he sent him to a widow. And that is a very unusual story in 1 Kings 17 because God has always used unexpected people in unexpected places and giving them unexpected assignments to do unexpected things. So he uses a poor widow and she had a little bit of flour and a little bit of oil, the Bible says, and she was making her last meal so that she and her son would have their final meal and then die. Like she was not a really positive kind of person, really. <laughs> and, um, and Elijah said to her, and this is so funny, in 1 Kings 17, he said, okay, you can go do that, but before you do, but first, make me a little bit of bread. Now I thought that would not go down well with the television media. That prophet comes to town and says to poor widow, give me the last bit of your bread and then you're going to have some. That would not go well. And so he says that and then she gives the prophet the first bit of food. And then what happens? The jar of oil did not run dry. It, they just never ran out. There was enough food for her and for the, her son and for the prophet. And they did not run out. I mean, I'm telling you, action pack. He goes to the king, says there's going to be a drought. Then he gets fed by birds. Then he goes to a widow. Then the oil doesn't run out. Then the widow's son dies. And then on top of everything else, he raises the dude from the dead. I mean, we're already still in 1 Kings 17. And you're like, oh my gosh, strap myself in. This is already happening. And then what happens? I mean, this just does not stop. We get to 1 Kings 18 and the Lord used Elijah mightily on Mount Carmel. You might remember that all the prophets of Baal are defeated. That's a powerful story. I say all of that to bring you to where we are right now. That was just the backstory to this exciting story. And then we pick it up where finally, after all of that, he is now declaring that rain is going to come. And we pick it up in that text. And what I want to say here is that declaring the word of God activates the promises of God. See, a lot of us, we have not been declaring the word of God and therefore the promises of God have not been activated. It was when Elijah said, there won't be any rain for three and a half years. Well, guess what? There wasn't any rain because God had given him that word. Then Elijah said, I am going to declare what God has told me. God told him, you go to Ahab the king and you tell him now that rain is going to come. So it didn't happen until he said it. Now you have to understand there was nothing in the natural that would make the prophet say this. It's not that there was huge storm clouds. You know, Nick and I fly all of the time and there is just something about getting up above the clouds and then suddenly as you're flying, you can see where all the storm clouds go out and I'm like, please Lord Jesus, it increases your prayer life, I'm telling you, when you're up at 35,000 feet and there's a lot of cloud. But 
The truth is they didn't have any clouds. There was no storm cloud. There was not even then a meteorologist, I don't think. There was no TV meteorologist telling you, and we can see the clouds coming now, and it's going to be awesome. And then they've got all those swirly, thought, you know, there's a big storm front coming in. Nobody was saying that. It didn't exist back then. And so people would have thought that the prophet was a little cray-cray. Well, well, maybe he was. But the point is that there was no weather forecast. There was just the word of God. And that the prophet had to declare the word of God before he could see evidence of the promise of God. See, if you only start declaring and decreeing what God says, when you see the fulfillment of the promise, then you're never going to declare and decree anything because it is through declaration that God's promises are activated. There doesn't have to be a cloud in the sky for you to hear the sound of rain. And see, what happens is the prophet said, I hear the sound of rain. So you've got to have your ear tuned in to the voice of the Spirit of God. Because he said, I heard it before I saw it. And you know, I live most of my life like that. I hear things way before I see them in the natural. Why? Because we walk by faith, not by sight. And faith comes how? By hearing and hearing what? The Word of God. So a lot of us, we are bombarding our hearing with a whole lot of stuff that's not the Word of God. So we're not hearing the sound of rain. So we're not seeing the fulfillment of the promise. What we need to do is tune out all of the background noise that's drowning out the promise of God, that's drowning out the Word of God so that we can fill our hearts and our minds with the Word of God. Faith comes by hearing so that we can walk by faith and not by sight. And as we walk by faith, we will eventually see the promise that God has brought for us to see. That's how it walks. It's an ongoing journey. And so they decided, I love this, because the prophet wasn't just declaring and decreeing what he felt. Who knows what he felt? But the truth is he declared and decreed what God said. See, we live in an age and a day where we all just want to talk about what we feel. I've got all the feels, my kids say. What is that? All the feels, like whatever that means. <laughs> Facebook asks me, what's on your mind? I'm like, y'all don't want to know what's on my mind. I'm just saying, what do you think? And we just think we can just put it out there. Sometimes it's better to keep your thoughts to yourself. See, unless your word can align itself with God's words, how about we don't say anything until we can say what God says? So if it's in God's word and it's backed up by God's word, that's what I want to speak. I want to speak the words of God because the words of God bring life. The words of God bring liberty. The words of God bring hope. The words of God speak faith. And so what the prophet Elijah did, he said, you know what? No one is expecting rain. You don't have to be expecting it for God to do it. And I find that a lot of the fulfillment of the promises of God, they come despite what we're expecting. So I wasn't expecting God to do that I love the fact that God does unexpected things in unexpected places using unexpected people in unexpected ways. It's the way that God does it. It would be great if about the best thing that we could expect as believers is the unexpected. Instead of being scared of the unexpected, we would embrace the unexpected. We could think there is not a cloud in the sky, but I hear the sound of rain. Oh, you know what? I, I'm looking at what's happening in the natural with that child and it doesn't look like, you know, they're coming to God, but I'm expecting that that child is going to be saved. I'm expecting that that marriage is going to be restored. I'm expecting that that body is going to be healed. I'm expecting that financial provision is going to come. I'm expecting that 
that my God is good and my God does good even when all things are not going good around me. I have an earnest expectation in the goodness of God, in the character of God. And I believe that even though God is going to do things in unexpected ways, I can still expect that my unexpected way making God is a good God that's going to do great things for me in life. That's the way that it works. That's the way that he works. And so the fact is, what is coming out of your mouth? That's my question today. All you've been doing is murmuring and grumbling and complaining. You've been complaining about your spouse. You've been calling your neighbor and you've been talking about him. You've been texting about them. You've been blogging about them. And all you've been doing, yes, I know, I just got all up in your grill right there. <laughs> and the issue is that you're wondering why change and transformation hasn't happened because you're talking about what's wrong with them rather than what's right with God about them. And so if you turn around and change your confession, you're going to begin to see a change in the atmosphere and the behavior. It takes time and it takes work, but find one good thing instead of the 20 bad things. If there's one good thing, begin to look for the goodness and begin to speak faith and hope and courage. And I make a decision to do that every time. My daughters, I have a 16-year-old and a 12-year-old. And, you know, I've even put washing baskets in their room. But it seems to make no difference on where the dirty clothes end up. I don't know what it is. I don't know if they have no sight or they just love to cover the carpet. But I could go in and begin to murmur, grumble and complain and, and make no mistake where discipline is needed. That is happening. <laughs> Look at this mother. But anyway, but the, the point is, though, I just made a decision. I found myself complaining. And then my husband, who is the Holy Spirit, I just thought I would tell you all that if there was a fourth part of the Trinity, it would be Nick. And so he, I remember one day he's like, Chris, there are so many people that would love to have kids that they could complain about. How about you start thanking God that you've got kids that you've got clothes to pick up after rather than, and you know what? It changed everything. It really did. I could say there was a discernible shift in my whole attitude a discernible shift in our household. I mean, seriously, you mean I was going to make everyone depressed because there was washing on the floor. I mean, of course, there's got to be discipline and order, but I was making such a big deal out of it. And I wonder how many things we make a big deal out of that are really not big deals when it comes to God. How much of our life where we just go, you know, does it really matter? In the eternal scheme of things, do I have to keep nagging about this? No wonder the book of Proverbs says, girls, you know, a nagging wife, we're like a dripping tap. And my husband is so subtle. He'll just say things like, oh, I'm just going to sit on the top of the roof. <laughs> if you don't know what I'm talking about, read Proverbs. And so I'm like, wow, I think I'll take that hint. Awesome. Awesome. But the truth is you can change the whole atmosphere of your home. You could change the whole atmosphere of your workplace. Do you get together with your friends and gossip and slander, you know, I was reading about a group of friends of mine and they're like, oh, we love to get together and just joke about all the man-splaining, like man-explaining that's happening on Twitter. And I think, how negative, how negative that you want to get around and murmur, grumble and complain about somebody else and about oh, surely you've got more going on in your life 
than what someone else is doing. And seriously, if all you've got to talk about is what somebody else is doing or how someone else is doing or what they're not doing, or you know what? You need to get a life. There is the word of the Lord for you today. You need to go out and you need do something for someone else. Get yourself off your mind and go and do something for someone else. Change the confession of your life and you'll change the confession of your day. You know what? Sometimes it's not just your tongue, but it's also your thumb. What are you tweeting? Your fingers? What are you texting? What are you blogging? What are you saying? Are you speaking words of life? There is so much fear. There is so much doubt. There is so much negativity. There, people are hurting all over the world. We don't need to add to it. We don't need to add to it by murmuring and grumbling and complaining. Do you remember there was a couple of million Israelites that came out of Egypt and were supposed to go into Canaan, into the promised land, but their tongue kept them out of their destiny. Their murmuring, their grumbling, and their complaining kept them doing laps around Mount Sinai for 40 years. Some of you have been doing laps around the same old mountains, the same old fears, the same old doubts, the same old insecurities, the same old hurt, the same old heartache for 40 years because of your mouth, because of the neg negativity, the fear, the doubt, the insecurity the anger, the gossip, the slander that's coming out of your mouth. It is destroying your destiny. Why don't we choose to say what God says? You see, as the prophet Elijah spoke the word of God, he activated the promises of God. And instead of reaping, the Bible says, do not be milked. Whatsoever a man sows, that's what he will reap. We will frame our world with the words that we speak. How about we make a decision to take responsibility for the words that we speak and in Instead of speaking words of death, words of defeat, words of fear and words of negativity, we make a covenant with our mouth that we are going to speak words of life, words of hope, words of joy, words of breakthrough, words of liberty in Jesus' name. We're going to be faith-filled word-speaking people in Jesus' name. So what can you declare based on the authority of God's Word? Because we want to make sure that our words align themselves with God's word. I'm not talking about blab it and grab it. I'm not saying you can have anything you want. I'm saying you can have what God says in his word. And so if you don't know what's in his word, you don't know what God says you can have. So what can I declare? And what do I love to declare? And you go, Christine, what do you do? I know I'm a nerd with little sticket notes that I write scriptures on sticket notes and stick them up around my mirror and I declare them. And I walk down by the, I don't know what people think as I'm walking with my iPhone down the beach, declaring and decreeing and binding and loosing. I mean, they're like, wow, new form of yoga. She's just like going for it. <laughs> She's just like going for it. I'm like, my arms are everywhere. I'm very all in. It's like an all in body experience because this word is living. It's active. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. And I am binding and loosing and I'm going for it. But what can you declare based on the authority of God's word? I'll tell you what you can declare. First John 4, 4, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. You go, Chris, how does that work? I mean, I mean, like you walk. And then when you feel the enemy, you go, oh, no, devil. I just want you to know greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. The same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead lives on the inside of me. So devil 
not today. You need to get very good at saying, not today, devil. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And you take authority over your family and you take authority over every aspect of your life. Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens me. You can declare and decree that. That is a scripture that I've got. I work out on the elliptical every morning and on my wall, I've got a stencil of that scripture to remind me, Christine, because the same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead lives on the inside of you, I want you to know that you can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens you. You can't do it in your own strength, Christine. You're not smart enough. You're not gifted enough. You're not talented enough, but you can in Christ's strength. Do all things. We were made to do hard things because we've got the spirit of the risen Lord living on the inside of us. If I could just help Christians understand that the same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead lives on the inside of us. You were not created to be small. You were not created to be defeated. You were not created to live bound by fear or doubt or insecurity. Greater is he that is in you. You can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens you. Don't listen to the lies of the enemy that say that you're not smart enough, you're not talented enough, you're not gifted enough, you're not eloquent enough, you're not connected enough, you're not resourced enough. It's not about what you're not, it's about who He is and in Him you can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens you. You can do all things. You can declare and decree 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 21, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Just say that 100 times to the mirror. Because you know what? I know what it was to live decades of my life declaring every day what was wrong with me. I had a shame-based nature. You know, my book, Unashamed, talks about how for decades I was gripped by shame. That's normally what happens when someone's been sexually abused for years like me, just full of shame. See, guilt says, I did something wrong. Shame says, I am wrong. When you start getting abused, you think what's happening to you is wrong. But when it keeps happening and no one stops it, you start to think there's something wrong with me. That's why it's happening. You've been a victim of abuse and it could be sexual, it could be physical, it could be verbal, any type of abuse. There's so many different types. And you feel that there's just something wrong with you, that you're broken. And so many people have said to you, shame on you, and you've put shame on yourself. But I'm here to declare and decree to you in the name of Jesus today. Shame off you in Jesus' name. You are created in the image of God. What happened to you is not who you are. What happened to you is not your fault. You don't have to listen to the lies of the enemy that wants to keep you trapped by shame and guilt and condemnation. You do not have to be defined by what happened to you. You are defined by what Jesus Christ did for you. And greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And Jesus can bring healing and Jesus can bring restoration and Jesus can bring redemption and Jesus can bring you to a place where your past doesn't have to hinder you or limit you any longer, but you can have a life beyond your past and that your future is going to be greater than your destiny. I am living proof that God has woven together all of the broken fragments of my life after 12 years of abuse and brokenness. God healed me. God restored me. God gave me a life beyond my past. And now not only did he rescue me, but he uses me to rescue thousands of young women and children trapped in slavery all around the world. That's a redeeming God. Same God that did it for me can do it for you. That's our redeeming God. But you know, because of that, I used to walk around with such a shame-based nature. And so I 
thought I was broken and I thought I would always talk about what's wrong with me, but then I had to learn to say, what's right with Jesus and he lives in me. And I would look in the mirror and every time I would think the negative thoughts that I would think, I still do this to this day, probably more than anything else. I have to look in the mirror and go, Christine, you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus because the devil will remind you of every mistake you've ever made, every failure you've ever done, and you're going to feel so unworthy. And that's what he wants you to do so you won't step up and into the purposes of God. So you can declare boldly with authority according to the word of God that you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You can declare according to Isaiah 54, 17, no weapon forged against me shall prosper. Here, I want to tell you this, the weapon will be forged. If you are making any difference for the kingdom of God, if you are on the front lines, make no mistake, the weapon will be forged, but it shall not prosper. And that's a word for someone. That weapon has been forged against you. But I want to declare to you today, that shall not prosper in your life. Psalm 1829 says, with my God, I can advance against a troop and scale a wall. This is one of my favorite scriptures in the Bible. Sometimes when I'm doing a little thing in my room, you know, I'm like, I, I, can, I can scale a wall. Here I go, all 51 and a half years of me. I'm scaling over that wall. I can advance against a troop. And let me tell you, when you're running a global anti-trafficking organization, 14 officers in 12 countries, you want to know that with your God, you can scale a wall and you can advance against a troop. Philippians 4.19 says, my God shall supply all my needs according to his riches in glory. When I'm thinking about opening an office, when I'm thinking about what we need in the ministry, I'm like, Father, you, your word says that you will supply all of my needs according to your riches in glory. God, I'm not limited by what the bank says. I'm not limited by what's in my bank account. Father, you have got whole of heaven's resources that you can unleash down into me. And so I declare it and decree that God, you are my stronghold and my deliverer, according to Psalm 144, 2. I say from 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9, your grace, God, is sufficient for me. There are so many promises in the word of God that you can declare and decree. Don't waste your time speaking fear, speaking doubt, speaking negativity. I want to remind you from Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, for the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. This word is alive. It's living and it's active. It's not dead. It's not some boring textbook. It's alive. The Word of God is alive. It's living and it can change your transformation. Let's be a generation of people that declare and decree the truth of the Word of God in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thanks for listening today. We hope today's message has encouraged and helped you. By the way, We'd love to see you positioned to experience all the great things God wants to do in your life. And we've got a special gift that'll help you do that. Just go to christinecane.com forward slash podcast devotional and download your free copy of Christine's 14-day devotional, Spiritual Growth Spurts.